0: Hello, everybody. It's me, Peter Dunn. Pete the Planner rolled my sleeves on my shirt today. I regret it. I'm just trying to show off the the work in the gym. Welcome to the Pete the Planner show, the show within a show. This is the podcast and the live stream. And eventually, this turns into a radio show. You know how it works. Uh, Joining me, as always, is second-level Krav Maga master Damian Dunn. Dame... You have been operating in the world of Krav Maga for some time now. You achieved second level status. Krav Maga, of course, is the Israeli technique of quickly and violently ending a fight. Tell us all about it, Dame. I regret ever telling you about this. Sir, by the way, I didn't know anything about Krav Maga, sir, until I looked up a video about it today because you told me about it, sir. And I'm calling you sir because it is so intense that I am now terrified of you, sir. Not much tickling that goes on in Krav. I am uh, trained in the art of Portuguese tickle fighting. So if you and I were ever to enter battle street fighter style, be prepared to guard your midsection. Uh, Dane, we're going to do a show this week. Uh, Turns out... It could be one topic for all three segments. And the fourth segment is what it is. Yeah, anxiously looking forward to it. I, I think uh, we'll have a lot of good discussion. I'm going to tell you what the Boam is right now so you can form a, a position on it. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm going to go with it. Here, here's what I – I am totally on the fence. Like I, I'm, I see both sides of is having a lottery for a million dollars for people to get vaccinated in the state of Ohio – A waste of money or a good use of money, right? So you've heard the story. No, I I hadn't heard that story. So there will be five $1 million winners in Ohio. The governor, uh, Mike DeWine, uh, I think that's his name. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He is the governor, Republican governor from Ohio, and he's taking COVID funds and setting up a lottery, a sweepstakes system that if you get uh, a shot, you are registered to win that. Uh, And so I have... So that's what we're going to talk about later. I I get it, but I have some just strain. I just you know we let's just talk. We'll talk about it later. Okay. And so I, get your head around that.
1: I, I see a lot of uh, black market vaccine cards coming with pharmacists with a, a little deal that says, "Hey, I'm going to give you a card, but if you win, we're splitting it." Jessica's uh, watching on Facebook Live right now. She says, "Hello from beautiful Vancouver
0: Island." Oh my gosh! Is that in Mexico? I love the South. Actually, now I want to Google Vancouver Island. All right, that's what I'm going to do. We're going to. Take a look at what Vancouver, I mean, I assume it's near Vancouver, right? Your guess is as good as mine. Vancouver Island, off Canada's Pacific coast, is known for its mild climate and thriving arts community. On its southern tip is Victoria, British Columbia's capital, and its boat-lined inner harbor, Neo-Baroque, Parliament Buildings, Grand Fairmont Empress Hotel, and English-style gardens. Harbor City, Nanaimo, home of chocolate and custard Nanaimo Barts has an old city quarter with shops, galleries, and restaurants. That's
1: Vancouver Island. It sounds like you're gonna have a beautiful time, Jessica. Unless you live there, and then maybe it's just old. I don't know. <laughs> it just sucks. Yeah. Hey Danza, good to see you uh, again.
0: Did everyone stay getting money this past week? <laughs> just checking. Uh, she says she can't afford to live in Victoria, Jessica says. You know, what? Well, I'm going to have to learn more about that. I've always wanted to go to Vancouver, but I don't know why, other than I've heard it's nice. So anyway, Dame, let's start the show. Uh, I've actually got my clock ready this time, so... I don't. You don't. You tell me when you're ready, Krav Maga master, level two. It'd make you an orange belt if you're if you're dojo. is it. Do you, do you operate out of a dojo? No, actually, we're in a basement. Okay. what <laughs> If your basement uh, went by the belt system, you'd have an orange belt, which as you and I discussed this morning, what are you going to do with that when you don't even have
1: shoes to match? Yeah, really hard to match. Uh, I'm ready to go.
0: Oh, you mean to stop talking about Kraft Maga? Yeah. I'm going to learn some sort of thing. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's ask. Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. When I say we, I mean me. And Krav Maga Orange Belt Damien Dunn joins us as always. Hello, Dame. I hate you. <laughs> Don't start that way. This is a positive show. This is a positive show. I met a gentleman in the lobby of our building this morning who said he loved the radio show. He really did. He said he listens to it all the time. Uh, he's a dentist and he said he loves the show. So just hanging out in the lobby? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Kind of was. I was like, (laughs) all right, bruh. Uh, All right, Dame, on the show this week, uh, we're playing a little game called, uh, how do you know when you're a worse investor than you thought you were? How's that game sound? That sounds amazing. Okay. Uh, So Dame, here's what we're doing this week. There's a lot of talk about people being interested in investment concepts more than ever uh, right now. Uh, And what you and I have sort of realized is that people are certainly distracted and uh, by by shiny investment ideas. As we've discussed this week, for instance, NFTs and cryptocurrencies and GameStop and things like that are sort of the four loco of the investment world. It's like, hey, I'm gonna try an alcoholic beverage. I'm gonna start by shotgunning a four loco. And now we've got every news story in the financial world focused on what a car company CEO thinks about, uh, fake dog cryptocurrency coins. I mean, that's, that's the world we live in. So Dame, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about actual real signs that maybe you're not as good at this as you think, which is a good, I mean, we're not making fun of anybody, but you either understand investing or, or, or you, you think you do or you admit you don't, and therefore you get professional help. So I'm going to start with uh, the first one here today. Dame, if you are not a day trader, and not an investment advisor, and you watch CNBC all day long, that's
1: probably a sign that you have no idea what you're doing. I agree. Uh, There's way too much that goes on there. There are agendas that happen inside of CNBC. Uh, You and I have discovered uh, that their website contains a few inaccuracies every once in a while that, that may be misleading. Um, it's not just CNBC though. I, I mean, pick pick something. Pick pick a, a, Fox a website. Business. Fox Business. Um, if you're constantly hitting refresh on um, whatever the website de jour is that, that you would like to frequent for financial information, that's not great. Uh, you're, you're burying yourself with information that, A, you may not be able to put in the right context, B, may be giving you uh, misleading information. Uh, there's, there's a number of reasons that you don't want to uh, just inundate yourself with this sort of information on a consistent basis. Look no further than the front
0: page of any of those services, cnbc.com or Bloomberg. On any given day, you'll have two opinion pieces. One, the market is poised to do something it's never done today in a good way. And then right below it, it's like, market's going to tank. And it's like, what is a person? I, I realize it's different opinions, but it's not really presented that way. I I used to be on Fox Business all the time. Like there was, I don't even know how long ago, 10 years ago, maybe? All the time, weekly, right? And I thought it was cool, and I enjoyed the vanity of it all. I thought I tried to provide value at the segments I was on, but then I figured out it's like, why in the world are they having me on, <laughs> right? Like, be- because while I understand stuff and I can be somewhat engaging and entertaining, I am more entertainment when it comes to those topics. I, I am not a technical expert at the things that we were discussing. Thus, those things are all entertainment. It's not actually helping investors make better investing decisions. I will draw a distinction, though, between what we just said about those organizations and. Oh, by, by the way, you can tell I don't really care to be on any of those shows anymore. Have you just yeah. figured that out? Yeah. Uh, the Wall Street Journal. I, I I read the Journal in the mornings, and I feel like I learn a lot from it. And yes, there's opinion pieces, some that I agree with, some I disagree with, but. But that's not a blended line. Like you can you can discern which is opinion and which is sort of raw uh, financial data, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think the Wall Street Journal does a, an admirable job of um, giving you the information. And then also, if if you want to go chase down opinions, they're certainly going to make them there. It's a publication that that want to draw eyes to it. But when it comes down to um, the, the actual news of the day, I think the Journal does a decent job of of getting that out there without being uh, too dramatic one direction or the other, which bleeds right
0: into the second way you know that you're not as good of an investor as you might think is that you're not a day trader and you check the market multiple times per day. Now I have to admit and I'm giving myself a pass because we're in the financial world. I check the market multiple times per day. But at any given time, I might be in a live event, someone might ask me a question and I need to be informed. But a vast majority I'm going to go with 98% of Americans have no business checking the market on a daily basis.
1: No. In fact, when, uh, when I was an advisor I said, if, if you check it once a month, once a quarter, I, that's fine. I just, let's keep an eye on it for large trends, not necessarily short-term trends, but make sure things are going to be headed in the right direction. Because if, if you get caught up in the momentum and the emotion of, Uh, the the market gyrations, whether they're up or down one way or the other, you may be inclined to make some decisions that don't benefit you in the long run. Happens all the time. You know, we talked a few weeks ago, probably
0: months at this point, about the attention economy, about that you can uh, divvy up what you pay attention to and what you give your attention to. And I have to say, giving your attention to regular market swings ain't healthy because if you get it addicted to it during the good times and you get a dopamine hit off of that, when the bad times come, man, it will drag you down. I actually learned that lesson recently, not with the financial markets, just my own use of social media, that you know, during the good times, whenever those were, let's call them 2019 and before mm-hmm. you interact with people, it's fine and it's yeah, you really enjoy it, it makes some sense. But then weird times come, but that addiction still exists. And then it turns into doom scrolling or hot takes about literally everything you can consider. And it became incredibly so unhealthy. Thank God I'm like six weeks free now from any social media. And I feel so much better. I've read four books in the last six weeks. Have you Um, actually read? I've consumed. Four audiobooks in the last six weeks, and I downloaded four more just this week. Some ones that came out that I want to listen to. It just seems like a better use of my time and attention than seeing someone's hot take about Purdue football or something. How uh, how do you highlight and make notes in an audiobook? I don't have to make notes. Oh. Now, I, if I like something, uh, I, I will uh, make note of it in Evernote, which is oh, yeah. uh, you know computer notes program. Sure. So, Dame, another, uh, you know, I keep, I keep, I would keep qualifying th- things with saying, if you're not a day trader, it might be worth um, talking about that because some people think they're a day trader, but they're not. Uh, I, I have no problem if people pursue that and that's what you like to do and that's what, but but day trading is an actual sort of art slash science that that you really do have to keep uh, your your eye attuned to all of these things. But, but this, again, a smaller population here. So that's why I keep qualifying
1: these points sure. that way, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, day trading can, in theory, be done successfully, but it takes way more attention to do it successfully than most people have the time to do it uh, correctly with.
0: I, I fancied myself a day trader in college, spe- specifically my junior and senior year. And while I would arguably make a trade a day, Um, I'm even convinced that didn't make me a day trader. A day trader is just a little more intense than I, especially in in now's day and age. So, Dame, let's do this. Coming up after the break, we're coming to the big stuff of uh, ways you know that maybe you're not as good of an investor as you think you are and that you need to be. All that's coming up next on the Pete the Planner Show with Damian Dunn, Orange Belt, and me, Pete the Planner, next on the show. Weird ending to the segment though. Yeah. Tried to get my orange belt stats. For those just joining us on the program, Dame is an orange belt in Krav Maga now. I'm not. You are. I'm not. We don't have belts. When you, when I, when I, when you walk into a room with me, do you think about how you can dismantle me? Everybody in the room. Everyone, like, Every,
1: seriously? Everyone. Everyone.
0: Gee me Christmas. I'm terrified of
1: so it. How many, uh, how many stocks were you working with in your junior, senior year? Where two or three. Tra- Yeah, just a a few focused ones that you knew kind of inside and out at that point. Now, you know my memory
0: at times is good and as at times is just like awful. But here's how I remember that time. So this was, oh, by the way, good day, Mr. Pinkins, joining us. Um, This was 1998 through 2000, okay? I think I would just trade fifth, third bank stock up and down and up and down Mm -hmm. and up. I sort of... I don't wanna say I figured out a pattern that might be overselling what I was really mm-hmm. doing. Um, yeah, interesting, right?
1: To be fair, a lot of, I think a lot of college kids were familiar with the internet, had access to it, thought they might've known more than they actually did, were doing exactly what you were doing at that time period. Yeah, my, like my roommates were, right? Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: we, we were all sort of doing that together. It worked out, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna get into the particulars because I'm not that guy, but it, it actually worked out and, and I ended up making quite a bit of money on it, which is why I give some grace to people who are so excited about the money they're making in the market right now. And it, it's hard for me to not say, well, it was different. I was dealing with a bank stock and you're ve- dealing with a, an
1: asset which you don't understand. A lot of people were making money doing exactly that at the time. Like we've discussed though, the key is knowing when that party's gonna end and stopping it. And then not not continuing to throw money at an investment that's gonna continue to go down unless you're in for the long term. All right. We're starting sorry, we're starting a segment in five seconds.
0: Okay. Back on the Pete the Planner show. All right, Dame. So this whole episode is dedicated to signs that you're not as good of an investor as you might think you're Our Dame, this week, uh, a postal worker, my postal worker, in terms of the person that brings us to the post, um, stopped me in the hall. It's a guy I know. Um, a lot of people stopped me in the hall of the building this week, if I'm being Apparently. honest. No, it really. It, it almost is like I'm making up these anecdotal sounding stories, but but it's it's happening. Uh, so we're talking. He's like, what do you think about crypto? And, you know, we, we sort of talked about crypto and, um, he's you know, he's super great guy super nice guy but and i've had this conversation probably five times in the last two weeks i was at a wedding <laughs> last weekend oh for those that uh remember the old radio show and the old podcast uh producer nicole we used to call her frank she got married last weekend i was the officiant of the ceremony so she's doing well everyone and uh let's all send our love to to nicole and her special friend zane who are now married but anyway dame people keep asking about cryptocurrency. Uh, especially around Dogecoin, because it's so inexpensive, but it's seen such huge gains that anyone can co- throw a couple hundred bucks in there, let it ride, and it turns into thousands of dollars. I talked to a guy that <laughs> uh, last weekend that put tried to make a $300 purchase of Dogecoin, right? Mm-hmm. He got an error signal when he hit submit, tried it again, tried it again, and realized that he had just bought Uh, you know, three transactions worth of Dogecoin, which are by the way, now worth $16,000. So it's one of those things where it's like, there was no investment knowledge that went into that it was speculation, which brings us to our next point, Dame, people have to understand the difference between investing and speculation. and, And they have to understand that speculation is not a plan at all. And it will not help you reach your financial goals.
1: No, uh, I mean, they may if you if you get everything just right and it lines up perfectly and you uh, recognize that you've you've made a really good return on this this um, speculative investment, speculative investment uh, and get out and then use that money towards your financial goal. Yes, it could. However, I don't I don't think in my experience, I don't think that's how most people view, speculative investments. It's almost like a lottery ticket. Maybe have you experienced that? Is that is that kind of how you view it as well?
0: Uh, yeah. And, and you know what, I'm okay with people viewing it as a lottery ticket. The, the The challenge is, is when someone says, Well, I took all my savings or, you know, I, I went self directed IRA, or mm-hmm. I, I you do all these things. That's when it terrifies me. Because that while it's a strategy, it's not a reasonable strategy. It's it's uns, it's unsuitable. You know, Dame. There's this thing in investing called investment objective. Like, what are you trying to do with the funds you're investing? And some classics are capital appreciation, which just means for it to grow. Right there's growth and in income, which is you want it to grow, but you also want to be able to take some dividends or interest off of it. Uh, There's liquidity, or maybe your objective is you just get to the money quickly. There's tax advantage where you just avoid taxes, and a few other things. Now, the question is worth asking, is speculation an actual investment objective? Because if it is, that doesn't mean that all of your investments should be in speculative instruments.
1: Exactly. I, I believe that speculative investments do have a place in some people's portfolio if they have a risk tolerance that, that accommodates for that. If they start to overweight that class of, of investments inside of their, their portfolio, that's when they start to potentially run into some very, very large problems. Uh, you may be swinging for the fences and you find out you, know, you, you lost half or more of your money. Well, now you have to keep swinging for the fences to, to try and make that back because it, time may not allow you to uh, revert to a more traditional um, allocation to, to, to recoup those losses. So speculative investments, I'm okay with, I'm perfectly fine with, but they've got to have a specific place in your overall strategy. Call me crazy, but I don't want to risk my fi- family's financial future
0: on – the host of Saturday Night Live making a joke, and then my assets tanking. Like I like I know people sort of laugh that off. It it just it sort of drives me crazy, which gets us to another point that we want to talk about today is if you don't have an out strategy, an exit strategy for a particular investment, if you're just letting it ride, you're, you're probably not that good of an investor. And again, we're not trying to kick people in the area we're trying to help you understand that there's this cognitive dissonance between what you think is your reality, I'm a great investor, because my assets gone up 1600% and, and and cold, hard luck.
1: Yeah, I, I've told you this story before. Uh, a number of years ago, I put some money into Facebook, and wrote it up, and it got to the target that I wanted it to get to and I got out. If I had left it there, it would have gone on to uh, triple b- beyond that. But I executed my plan. I knew I had a plan on when I was going to get out, took the cash, redistributed it to some other investments and and moved on. Um, that is what we're talking about. You've got to know when enough is enough or, or when to rebalance, have a, a plan on rebalancing uh, on you know, whether it's quarterly, semi-annually, annually, whatever the case may be. And then changing those investments uh, that that portfolio over time to make sure it's continuing to reach the objectives that you've got for your your investments so
0: in the next segment we're going to talk about investment policy statements okay that's what we're doing all right however i before we get there <laughs> yeah I, brian pinkins our, our buddy pink in the uh facebook live just said what i was thinking it's the old kenny rogers got to no one to hold him, no one to fold them yeah what's the rest no one to walk away, no one to run. There you go. But if you know Krauth Maga, you never have to run. Eh, you should sometimes, but that's okay. Dame, another element to this that is worth considering here is that sometimes when when you're looking at your your financial situation, it is better to be boring and admit you have no idea what you're doing, such as just get in a target date fund than someone who thinks they know what they're doing and tries to beat professional investors. I, you and I sort of had this exchange the other day. I think people who just admit they don't know what they're doing and
1: get a target date fund are the smartest people in the room. Yeah, truly. I, yeah, I, sometimes uh, we, we speak with people who, uh, feel almost ashamed that, that they're just in the target date fund uh, because they're nervous about the markets or they they don't trust themselves wherever the case may be, but they're making consistent contributions through uh, their their paycheck with 401k deferral. I've got no problem with that. They, they're just continuing to push money towards that investment the 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 investment side of it's being handled by the the company itself, adjusting and tweaking those funds inside the target date fund and they're gonna be okay. They're not trying to outsmart the room. They're just doing what they can, making those contributions and letting the market handle itself. What percentage
0: of people who own a Toyota Camry have target date funds?
1: Oh, man. Gotta Uh, be 100%, right? uh, Yeah, (laughs) they they might have multiple target date funds, which is another another comment for another day, but uh, yeah.
0: I remember when I was an investment advisor, there was this idea that even constructing portfolios, I, I somehow thought I was trying to rebuild my own allocations to outsmart target date funds because that's when target date funds really started getting there. Mm-hmm. D- should we explain what target date funds are?
1: Um, probably. Do we have time for that? Yeah, go ahead. You've got uh, 40 seconds. All right. So a target date fund is one fund, one one ticker symbol uh, that you choose and it will get a uh, handful, a basket of funds, uh, if if for another (laughs) explanation, that will continually be tweaked as you get closer to retirement to reduce the exposure to risk, hopefully, as you get closer to retirement to uh, hopefully not have as much volatility inside that portfolio. It will be a well-diversified portfolio, always and forever.
0: There it is, always and forever. Like a great '90s R&B song. All right, Dame. Coming up after the break, investment policy statements right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. All right,
1: forty seconds. Ugh.
0: That was pretty good. That wasn't great.
1: That was fine.
0: Sorry, everybody. Uh, Ralph uh, joins us on YouTube Live. Says, "Love the freshly shaved head. I shaved mine this morning. When did you last shave your head, Dame? Same. Really? Do you use a razor? I uh, use a a, uh, a blade. Yeah." I use trimmers on the lowest setting. You can't, no you'll one get, cares. You'll get there. I've done it once, but my head was like so, ta- it was so weird afterwards. I felt like a hairless cat. Skin care regime. Mr. Yeah, Petersworth. Got to take care of it. All right, Dame, investment policy statement. This is something that you've been putting your head into here the last uh, several days as we build things for our participants and clients and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Are you fully prepared to talk about this? As prepared as I'm going to be. As prepared as I'm going to be. Okay. In three, two back on the pete the planner show this entire episode is dedicated to you just like every other episode but today we're helping you understand are you really as good of an investor as you think and by the way dame i think uh, where we left off the last segment is you don't actually have to be that good of an investor you just have to admit that maybe you're not that good of an investor and you're fine with something like a target date fund or you know a group of properly allocated index funds Everyone thinks they have to outsmart the market. And it's it's funny to me that people of all intelligence and education levels fall for that, that they think that they are somehow obliged to outsmart what you can easily be achieved
1: with more sort of passive and uh, set it and forget it investing. Yeah, here's the thing that maybe it's common knowledge in in our world, Pete, but maybe a lot of people don't understand professional fund managers don't beat the market consistently. Uh, maybe a few years in a row but they don't do it consistently it's it's not uncommon to see them hopefully uh, just meet the market which is what you're trying to do with indexing uh, or take a slightly smaller return because of the the fees that are included uh, in in etfs as small as they are but people don't beat the market on a consistent basis nobody does so don't feel if you think you're going to be able to do it on a regular basis well and you do on a regular basis should probably run to Wall Street and make a bucket load of money.
0: A bucket load of money. Damien Dunn, it's time for Investment Policy Statement 202. You know how many times people create things are like, this is this 101. I went with 202. Could be 201 or 201 probably would have been 306. Dame, if you are a fancy yourself as a reasonable investor, then not only should you have the ideas that exist within an investment policy statement, like you should have know these things on an individual basis, but those thoughts should be aggregated into an actual investment policy statement that lays it all out. It says, this is who I am, this is what I expect, this is what I'm willing to do. And in doing that, it helps people uh, have resolve around their investing ideas, especially when times get hairy and boy, uh, we've learned that in the last several months. So Dame uh, an investment policy statement,
1: what are some of the considerations? What are some of the elements of an investment policy statement? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, one of the most important things that goes into this is listing out your goals, what do you hope to accomplish through your investing? Most commonly, it's going to be retirement, preparing for retirement, having some capital accumulation, to make sure that you can uh, step out of work on that last day and feel comfortable going into retirement knowing that your needs are going to be prepared for so as you start listing those goals out whether it's retirement or uh, some some midterm or short-term goals whether it's a down payment for a a house or just maybe an outright purchase of a house prior to retirement or or whenever um you know funding a a wedding the options are virtually endless lay them out, know what you're working for, and, and let those goals help dictate how you're going to start achieving them. There
0: is a, an investment policy statement that I'm using as a, an example here today that I found at biglawinvestor.com. Right, they're, they're all over the place. But it's interesting to see that the template biglawinvestor.com, it starts with the philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. And so sure. Dame, uh, on this particular statement, it's just a quote, it's a Bogle quote, John Bogle quote, and it says, buy and hold long term, all market index strategies implemented at rock bottom cost and the surest of all routes to the accumulation of wealth. Uh, Bogle heads will uh, recognize that as a pretty tried and true buy and hold strategy. That doesn't have to be your strategy. It, it just doesn't. But it is. It, it's like sometimes when people send you a resume and they've got like a a michael scott quote at the top of the (laughs) resume okay cool bro i mean weird flex but thanks for the quote it could make some sense uh just laying it out there so when you're scared and when things get hard you can look at the philosophy and you can remind yourself oh yeah during calm times that's how i think
1: yeah totally and uh, the one thing i want to make sure we point out is that investment policy statements are fantastic to make sure that you stay in between the lines on, on what you're doing However, if you're working with a financial advisor, even better. That way, everybody knows the rules that are being played by and what hopefully the goals are for your investing. You know, if if you say you're targeting um, a five percent average return, yet you're a hundred percent in equities and and you're, you're way out there on the edge, maybe a speculative investment uh, part of your portfolio is is larger than maybe we feel it should be, then you're taking way too much risk to achieve the overall goal of that that investment policy statement. You don't have to be uh, invested as aggressively as you are. So an investment policy statement can help lay out all these things to not only help determine why you're doing something, but the strategy that you're going to undertake and what the reasonable um, results are going to be. So uh, you'll notice if you do Google investment policy statement, most of them that pop up are probably going to be geared towards uh, nonprofits or corporations or large entities. That doesn't mean they don't have application for the individual as well. So uh, with a little bit of work, you could follow some, uh, or find, I should say, some, some good examples. But, but don't be scared to see what, uh, find what you, uh, what you find and, and apply it to your own personal circumstances. Find what you find. That is rule five of Krav
0: right. Maga. Uh, stay getting cash. Dame, uh, when I was an investment advisor, I remember we always had to fill out like an investor profile that listed things like people's risk tolerance, investment objective, and any good investment advisor is going to help you do that. But I think what we're really saying here today is, you need to do this before you go to your investment advisor, or do it after you leave your investment advisor. Because ultimately, you and I are very, very, very pro advisor, very pro advisor. But our concern and why we do this is we want to make you better clients, so that you have a better experience. Plain and simple, having an investment advisor alone is not going to do it. You have to be a good client. You have to know how to get the most out of the experience, and completing an investment objective, uh, you know, a tax strategy, a mar- understanding your marginal tax rates, all of those sorts of things go into that. Now, there's another element here. Is, Dame I think about the different accounts and pieces of money, how I like to say it, uh, that Mrs. Planner and I have. They have different purposes, right? So it's to say, this is for college. This is for, you know, post 59 and a half. This is for South of 59 and a half. And so those all have different investment objectives and they also have different tax uh, strategies and considerations. So that's why an investment policy statement should be pretty comprehensive, including Uh, objectives as it relates to a health savings account that may or may not be invested in the market.
1: Yeah, what you'll find with a well-constructed, thorough investment policy statement is it's A, going to leave very little up to question, and B, it's going to increase the quality of communication between all parties involved. Uh, You're going to know, just as Pete said, what you are trying to do, how you're going to do it, and you're gonna be able to go back and check. Did I accomplish the goal? Did I not accomplish the goal? Do I need to start making some changes in my overall philosophy or my approach? What do I need to do? And let this document guide you through this process, you and your advisor through this process. You know, a lot of
0: do-it-yourself investors, if they were to truly classify their assets and look at their asset allocation in the classic pie graph of uh, what someone you know, they might say, Well, I'm a moderate aggressive investor, or they might say, I'm an aggressive investor, and then they look at their actual investments and how it lines up with what their risk tolerance is. Dame, that will be for most people one of the most shocking eye opening experiences there are. Here's the dumb metaphor I like to use let's say you love chocolate cake, simply adding. 80% chocolate. I don't mean cacao. I mean, 80% of the total mass of the ingredients being chocolate, but does not make a good chocolate cake. And that's how people invest. They're like, hey, crypto or S&P 500 fun. I like it. I want a lot of it. And, and it and it makes your recipe taste worse
1: almost every single time. Totally. Uh, you, you've got to have a, a nice diversification to make sure that you are uh, responsibly achieving your goals you, you can't overweight too much in one area without running the risk of ruining the whole thing all right
0: dame coming up after the break the biggest waste of money of the week or is it governor dewine from ohio has a one million dollar vaccine lottery five of them so if you get a vaccine you may win a million dollars in the state of ohio you and i will do our best to figure out if that makes sense or if that doesn't make sense and i'm not sure we're actually going to come up with an answer But all that is next right here on the Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete, the planner. What do you think? I have questions. All right. Well, I'm getting the particulars here so I can actually give you information. Damien, you know, you and I, you know that there's two phone calls that I'm awaiting Mm and in my life, our business life that we collectively share partners. And I'm waiting on two of those calls. Um, and we both guessed that they would both come during the show today. And? And I would be so distracted that I couldn't perform uh well like normal uh neither of the phone calls have come so that
1: is good so i am that's why i am still focused so you didn't put the phone out of reach and out of sight like i suggested no no of course not you you jeopardize the entire show and the enjoyment of dozens of listeners and viewers You know, Larry asked a really good question on Facebook Live. Hopefully he's still here didn't
0: leave because we didn't answer. Any thoughts about staying in target date funds versus an income fund after retirement, if not using the funds for income at this time? There are target date funds that are meant for that purpose. And so you could simply use those. Um, I'm not here. I'm not going to say it's six, one, half dozen, the other. um, But oftentimes uh, out of the money target date fund, I guess it would be an in the money target date fund where you're you know you've already achieved that year like a 2020 target date fund already is
1: going to have income provisions to it right damn totally I uh, i would make sure that you look at how that uh target date fund is comprised what, what it has and what the overall allocation is inside of it see if maybe there is another potential option out there that would help uh, fill that role if you feel uncomfortable with, with what that is there's a, a number of different ways that you could go about it now there are Uh, some, some funds that would specifically help you achieve that. If you wanted some, a little bit more active management, you could go with a betterment, uh, robo advisor type deal, not just betterment. There are other options out there as well, but, uh, with an income tilt to it and have a little bit more active management.
0: All right, Dame, here we go. You got your uh, current events ready for the week. I got them. I'm ending my week this way. So we're doing this. I, of course I got to edit the show and put it up to the radio stations. Oh, I got to mention the affiliates when we come back. Um, but then I've got a live streaming event uh, to end my to end my week at 2 PM on a Friday that I agreed to. It's my fault. Yep. Glad to help the people. Though. Um, all right. So let's start the segment. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the planner show is something you're going to hear in, in just a second, especially if you're listening on w a w K. AM in Kendallville, Indiana, WIOU in Kokomo, or maybe our flagship, WIBC FM in Indianapolis. Okay, so usually this time we we, we talk about something that is just a complete waste of money. Sometimes we say things that are like a really good use of money. And I got to admit, when I saw this story this week, I I didn't know what I was really dealing with. And that is the lottery in Ohio that uh, potentially will give you a million dollars If you sign up to get a COVID vaccine in an effort to increase the number of Ohioans who currently have not taken a COVID-19 vaccine vaccine to get vaccinated, that's weird copy. Governor DeWine announced a series of statewide drawings to help incentivize vaccinations. (laughs) Ohioans under the age of 18 who are eligible to receive COVID-19 vaccine will be entered into a drawing for a four year full scholarship to any Ohio state college and university. I didn't know this, including full tuition, room, and board. Ohioans aged 18 and older will be entered into a weekly drawing with a prize of up to a million dollars. A total of five weekly drawings for each prize will take place. With the first winners being announced on May 26th, winners must have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine by the date of the respective drawing. Okay. Wow. All right. So let's acknowledge a couple things here. Number one, uh, clearly uh, there's innovation going on on how do you uh, incentivize someone to take action and get a vaccine, right? There's various efforts to do this. This might be the most innovative I've seen. Dame, if you can't, I'm I'm trying to set my own feelings about the vaccine aside. Like I'm, I'm really trying to do that to try to understand this. And I hope you can do the same. Like. What do you think about this? I mean, does it make
1: sense? I am, I am typically in favor of nudges to, to try and uh, start to um, encourage behavior that that uh, that you feel needs to be encouraged. This is a huge nudge for uh, a great number of people. I still don't know how I feel about it. Uh, do you th- yeah, what do you do? You think it'll uh, will it work?
0: And what do we measure as it worked? If five thousand more people get vaccinated, I'm just picking a number. Yeah. Does it work, or is it
1: got to be fifty thousand for it to work, or is, is fifty? Like what? What works? Sure, I, I, I'm sure they have a target number in mind, though they probably will never say what that target was which I, I would understand. I, I don't know how you would measure success uh, beyond what the the normal rate is. I'm sure they could, if probably a little bit of research, we could figure it out too. Yeah. What uh, <laughs> what vaccination rates have done in Ohio over the last, you know, four to six weeks. Um, but, you know, they're, they're trying to encourage continued vaccinations or an increase in vaccinations. And this is how they've felt is going to be the most effective way of doing it. Now, I'm curious I don't live very far from the Ohio border. peak. could oh, I sneak yeah. across and, uh, and get, get a jab over there and be eligible, please go get your pokey pokey over there. I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't
0: feel especially critical of this particular issue, but I certainly am intrigued by it. Like, I, uh, like I, th- I don't want this to be like, it's something comes back or like, we told you, like, it's not that I, I just think it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, Todd on YouTube Live comments. Uh, I assume by naming this incentive, the state of Ohio has already ruled out the possibility of a lawsuit by an anti vaccine individual. I mean, that's a good point. It, it goes to uh, sort of like true lottery games. And you you know, like, you know, let's say you buy some cereal and you could win like a kazoo or something. I think you could actually write to the no purchase necessary sort of things. Like, there are
1: rules around these things. You got to yeah.
0: assume they've. They've dealt with that. And, I mean,
1: maybe the, maybe the states uh, partially looking into this because they'll get some of that money back in taxes at this point. Whether and now the money has to be used for vaccine stuff. Uh, they they give out a million bucks. Uh, they're going to get some state revenue out of that as well. Dame, what's in the news this week? Well, Americans are paying down their credit card debt at levels not seen in years. That's good news for everyone, but credit card issuers. Oh. Large card issuers that cater to borrowers ranging from the affluent to the subprime say that overall card balances and the firm's interest income are falling. To make up for it, issuers are spending more on marketing and loosening their underwriting standards, which we also have another story about as well. Discover Financial Services said it's on his earnings call earlier this month that the share of card balances that were paid off at the end of the first quarter was at the highest level since 2000. Capital One said nearly half of credit card balances it had at the beginning of March were paid off by the end of the month, which the company described as historically high. Pete, People are paying off credit cards. Remember, one person's
0: spending is another person's income, and when it comes to credit cards, the person who's getting the income is a bank. You know, uh, our personal successes are uh, often juxtaposed against those of the economy at large, right? We're a consumer-based economy. But Dame, if you take care of business and you save money and you pay off your debts, you pull yourself out of the consumer-based economy and it hurts the consumer-based economy, yet you are better off. And that's exactly what has happened in the last 12 or 13 months. This always happens. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. When consumer confidence is low, people's financial lives get better. When consumer confidence is high, people go and do dumb things and go into credit card debt, and it's going to
1: happen a lot in the next six months, so the credit card companies should just pump their brakes. They're going to be fine. Well, some of the largest U.S. banks plan to start sharing data on customers' deposit accounts as part of a government-backed initiative to extend credit to people who have traditionally lacked opportunities to borrow. The program is aimed at individuals who don't have credit scores, but who are financially responsible. The banks would consider applicants' account balances over time and their overdraft histories. Some 53 million adults in the U.S. don't have traditional credit scores, according to Fair Isaac Corp., the creator of FICO. Here's the thing.
0: There is a means to enter people into the borrowing atmosphere, ecosphere, I don't know, and it's called a secured credit card. And that is a much better way to go than to simply just start extending credit to people who are likely unfamiliar with the very basics of what it is to borrow. It is so easy to borrow from not only credit card companies, store credit cards, student loan people. Oh, it's so easy to do it. There is a reason why this 53 million people conceivably don't have credit. And that sounds judgmental, it sounds awful, and I'm sure there's some horrible systemic issues within that, but I have to tell you, uh, there's a dark side to that, and the dark side is that uh, a
1: lot of people are gonna get in big trouble if this thing actually happens. Is it happening or is it proposed? Uh, I believe it said the, uh, the pilot program is expected to launch later this year. Oh, good lord. Give me a good story. Can you have any good stories? No, I don't. Know. Mm. Uh, well, you know what? There, there's one that had a breaking news update uh, that, that kind of turns into a, a good, good oh, story. Good. Uh, Darkside, the cyber criminal group whose hacking activities took the U.S.'s largest gasoline pipeline, the Colonial Pipeline, offline for four days, said it felt kind of bad about disrupting the flow of fuel to critical hubs on the East Coast. Uh, the rest of the story is kind of inconsequential now because they have just announced this afternoon that... They are going to shut down operations, and they will no longer be hacking anyone or providing their services going forward. That's how bad they felt, Pete. What? Yeah. Uh, hackers with a conscience, oh, apparently. Uh, now, they already had some some rails in place. They uh, already said they weren't going to allow their services to be used to hack hospitals, schools, nonprofits, governments, and mortuary services. No, of course not. Uh but they did happily accept $5 million to release the Colonial Pipeline uh, information before they said they were going to shut down. So, yeah. Do you,
0: look, uh, I have no uh, data or uh, anything to suggest this, but do you feel like we're losing the cyber war <laughs> as a country? I, I wonder how much goes unreported. Yeah, I feel like we're in bad shape there. I mean, yeah. uh, and we have been for a very long time. Yeah. Damn, it's with that uninformed opinion then I'm going to end our program. Dame, thank you for your contributions to this show. I look forward to seeing you again, and I will defend myself. Sending you good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Peter Dunn. That's Dame Dunn, Orange Belt. We'll see you next week. I didn't make very many mentions of your Krav Maga news this week on the show. Too many made at any point did you picture doing any of the moves to me as i consistently talked about it on the show this week
1: uh when you said that you know, we might see each other in person i yes I, I thought of a few things that i could happily do
0: i've told you about the time in high school when a guy was trying to beat the ever-living tar out of me and i just made him laugh and he stopped that was sort of
1: my move good luck
0: do you think there's a ne'er-do-well on the street that's trying to accost me or, or you know, force himself upon me or herself upon me, and I just make them giggle and they run away, or do you think I need to be a
1: level one Krav Maga person? I mean, you're in pretty good shape now. You could probably run faster than that person. That's a good point. <clears throat> I am in pretty good shape. What if I get so
0: good looking that it affects our business in a positive way? You know, we'll never know. What? What? <laughs> why not (laughs) (laughs) all right hey um i gotta go i gotta do some stuff okay all right um listen everybody thanks for being here this week i hope you have a really good weekend if you live in ohio get that pokey pokey maybe get a million bucks i don't know i don't care do whatever you want uh hey everybody stay getting money